Hey there. Imagine you're lying down in the grass on a hot summer day and you're looking up at the clouds. Maybe you're with your friends or maybe you're alone, but you're looking up and out at the vast sky above you, picking out different shapes, qualities, characteristics in the clouds, noticing all their features. As time moves by in the clouds, shape shift. They take on new forms. They remind you of new things. And as you lie there, you feel this sense of ease, this sense of joy. Instead of you creating and projecting onto the clouds, you let the clouds remind you and inspire you. You just simply notice them. You're just watching them, observing them as they float on by, not holding on to the idea of a cloud. You're just letting it move on by. And as time passes, they ultimately, they change. Ever-changing is the sky. This, my friends, is meditation. Welcome to another solo episode with me, Marina Zaran, on All Is Well. Today we're talking the myths behind meditation. This episode is for all of those that have felt intimidated out of exploring meditation, as well as the seasoned veterans who have experienced and explored many modalities and traditions of meditation. Today we are peeling back the layers. What is it? How does it work? What does it mean? Meditation is an invitation. It's not something that only comes to some or is only accessed by those who have the knowledge, the practices, the community. It's a tool. It's a method to call in deeper, an invitation to come home to yourself. Meditation is this invitation space. There is no one way to do it. You cannot do it incorrectly, no matter what people tell you. For you see, that's not the energy that we are working within. Meditation is this teaching that honors non-attachment to your thoughts, to your actions, to your behaviors. And it can be really commonly associated with and thought of, just like people talk about God in secular traditions, how God is unchanging. It's this awareness that bestows love upon everybody, no matter what. And what a beautiful sentiment. Meditation is the same thing. However, instead of looking outward to a higher power that directs, controls, and dictates your free will, your life, this idea of meditation is for you to journey inward to explore your ability to co-create this divinity of life between your soul, your body, and your ego. There is no wrong way to meditate. And if you're thinking to yourself, I can't meditate because I can't do it right, you also might be thinking to yourself, I'm not supposed to have thought or think during meditation. I'm here to tell you that's a load of caca. Of course, thoughts are going to come up in meditation. In fact, to experience and explore meditation in all of its complexities, you have to have the presence of thoughts come up because it's your navigation around those thoughts that allows you to delve deeper into the soul, the spirit, Gaia, the exploration of self. Meditation is not the cessation of thought, meaning meditation is not the journey of stopping your thoughts. Rather, it's the opportunity to watch your thoughts move through the mind as if they are clouds moving through the sky. You're looking at those clouds, just as we explored earlier. You're looking at those clouds and you're allowing them to pass by. You're just witnessing them. You're noticing their color, their shape. 
how fast they're passing by. And in those moments, resisting the urge to reach out, to attach to the cloud, to the thought, to judge it, to hold it in the firm grasp of your hands and to turn on its every corner and explore its every nook and cranny, to self-identify with the thought, to absorb into it so deeply that your ability to move and shape your perspective is now solely mutually exclusive with the thought. Meditation is a lesson in so many things. And if I had to boil it down, meditation is a lesson in you. But not just you as in the ego, meaning not just the you that is the person sitting here and listening to this that has a last name, that has hobbies and passions. It's also the you in which inhabits your body. It's also the you that has a soul and a spirit that transcends beyond the spoken word, the thinking mind. It's the you that's derived from a nervous system from 400 plus million years of evolution. It's the you that has awareness, a bit of presence that connects you to all things before and past your time. Meditation is an opportunity to better be, not to be better. There's a difference. And I think about this a lot. What does it mean to better be? Okay, well, just to be. To me, that's an exploration in the senses. Because to activate the senses is to allow them to interact with your direct environment, right? It's to notice the smells in the room, the temperature of your skin, the sensation of your body in space, the light coming into the eyes, the sounds that you can pick up on. And when we identify the senses, the five primary senses and how they interact with the environment around us, that, my friends, is how we step into the present moment. That is how we better be. A lot of times we say we need to be better, but in fact, I think we now all should say, how can we better be? And to me, when I think about that, oftentimes we want answers, so many answers for so many things. We want to know what we should do, why we should do it, when we should do it, why this happened, where we should go, what should happen next. And a lot of times when we think we need all of these answers, what we actually need is space. Naval Ravikant, a very wise man, he says, I believe all of man's problems could be solved if we sat in a room in silence with ourselves for 30 minutes a day. Mm, I couldn't agree with that statement anymore because meditation, you see, it's a homecoming. It's a place for your mind, your body, and your soul to commune. Here's the thing. The mind, the body, and the soul, they operate on different spheres of existence. You might be thinking, what the heck is she talking about? But stick with me. The mind, it's your ego. It's your thinking mind. It's what allows you to have thoughts. It's what allows you to laugh. It's what allows you to participate in the reality that we live in. It's what gives you tastes and preferences, what excites you, what makes you feel happy and sad. It's all governed by the mind. The mind is only 50,000 years old at best. And yet so many of us, for most of our modern lives, have dictated all of our decisions, all of our interactions based off of the thinking mind. But what about the body and what about the soul? So let's take it a step back. The mind, which exists within us, is housed within our physical body. Our physical body, while the nervous system's been around for 400 plus million years, it has this deep intelligence, this ingrained wisdom in our being. We don't have to think about cellular development within the body. We don't have to think about the physiology of advancing mechanisms to fight an infection in the body. It's all happening. And it's not just happening because it's happening over the course of hundreds of millions of years of intelligence. So we have the mind, which is 50,000 years old, the nervous system encapsulated within this physical body, which has its own set of needs 
that's evolved over 400 million years ago. But then what about the soul? The soul is the part of you that can leave the body. It's the part of you that we feel in the energy. It's the part of you that when you walk into a room, we can feel. It's the part of you that when you bring up someone's name who's no longer with us, when you say their name and you can feel that energy, that's their soul, not their ego, not their body. It's the soul that you can connect with. It's timeless. It's boundless. It's not kept by time. It's a part of us that exists forever. The mind, the body, the soul, they're like these three sisters. They connect, but they speak very different languages. And so I explore meditation as an opportunity to co-create with the mind, the body, and soul. Instead of just directing my entire life from one of these three pillars, I allow them to recalibrate with one another. Without meditation, without taking a moment to witness, to invite space, to observe the mind, the body, and soul in action, we lose discernment. We move into positions where we think every path is ours to take. Every fight is ours to battle. We lose sight in the alignment. We lose the ability to snap into vibrations or to call in that in which we truly desire because we are lost in the sauce of the chaos of everything around us. Because without wisdom, we find ourselves anchored. Maybe it's to the mind. Maybe it's to the body. With very little slack. To be anchored to the mind, what does that look like? That looks like someone who experiences debilitating anxiety that has an upregulated nervous system where their thoughts dominate their every waking moment, where their thoughts keep them from falling asleep. So not only does it dominate your waking moments, but it also dominates your sleeping and unconscious mind. To be anchored to the mind is to be stuck in the ego. It's that type of feeling that you notice you're starting to say things or interact in ways that don't feel good to you anymore. There's this feeling of lost confusion, aloneness, because the way in which you're communicating behaviorally, emotionally with the people around you and in your life and even with yourself, it doesn't feel genuine anymore. To be anchored in the body, this is someone who feels as if their body is not on their own team. This home that houses the mind and the soul, this physical body that has its own set of needs, right? It needs water, it needs food, it needs shelter. But to be anchored in the body, to be out of balance in the body, is when the body becomes sick. It loses its resilience. Its ability to be sustainable and hold longevity is gone. It is so many of us, so much of our population that is imprisoned in their physical bodies. And to be anchored in the soul, that's less common, certainly less common. But what does that look like? I like to say that's someone that lives in the ether, the air and the ether elements of the world, the ungrounded nature that individual that lives in the clouds a little bit too much. You might experience some neurological imbalances. You're losing touch. You're losing touch on the plane, on the reality in which our ego and our body participates. And so there's a grounding that needs to happen with the soul. We can't just live solely in the mind and the ego, solely in the body. We know what happens when we live solely in the body. That, for example, is someone that maybe they're sick and you've sensed that their mind and their soul they have left. Or somebody that's just in the soul or just in the spirit. This could be also somebody that's no longer with us, but we can't see them or touch them. There's this profound relationship that needs to happen between the mind, body, and soul. And when you do, when you lock in this calibration, like these three sisters, you create this container, a container of space, an opportunity for you to create an abundance of space. 
And when you watch that space, as we do in meditation, as we do when we're lying in the grass and we're looking up into the clouds, as we're watching the clouds and our thoughts pass by without judgment, without attachment, oftentimes we'll naturally fill that space with inspiration, with passion, with energy, with experiences in the supernatural. It could be all sorts of things. And when we keep the pulse on that space, sometimes you'll see it tracking in any of which way that might be like a tide pulling too far, too deeply, too anchored towards the mind or shifting too fastidiously towards the body or the soul. And when we have opportunities where we can sit in meditation, you get to watch the patterns. Maybe it's over the course of many weeks or many months where you're checking in and you're noticing the patterns of your thoughts or of your awareness pulling strongly into just the mind or just the body. It allows you to reassess. It allows you to recalibrate. And then you can ask yourself the question in those moments, maybe just shortly after a meditation, how can I better be? And for me, that looks differently. For all of you, it'll look differently. But what I enjoy doing is journaling after I meditate. I love to journal after I meditate because I feel like journaling is a communication mechanism that I can use between the soul, the ego, and the body, right? The body is what's literally writing. The ego is what's allowing the communication through words, just as we talk. But the soul is what's allowing me to connect to my deepest, most wise parts of me, the intuition that's sown from the seeds of all life. Our awareness, you see, it's unchanging and that might feel convoluted. And you might think to yourself, what does that even mean? Because it's something entirely different than your mind, your body, and your spirit. Your awareness is this watcher. It's this witness. It's this seeing eye. It's a part of us that we all have that cannot change. It is your presence. And no matter how many layers we stack on top of it, how much we cover it or bury it or add to it, your unchanging awareness is always there. It goes back to that similarity between a secular religion of God. It's the God of you. It's that deep looking inward. It's that third eye. It doesn't pull from wisdom of your past experiences necessarily. No, it is this presence that cannot be contained by time, words, energy. It's something so vast, it's kind of hard to even talk about. To meditate is to strengthen the presence within you. And if you're someone who's meditated and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, the thoughts are overwhelming, it's not for me. I like to say, when you go to meditate, when you go to lie down for sleep at night, and it feels like you're shoving a 12-piece orchestra out of your brain all of a sudden, it feels like too much. But if you start to incorporate moments where you explore, you just touch on moments of space. Maybe it's throughout your day. Maybe it's a check-in in the morning and a check-in in the evening. Maybe you add a couple in the middle of the day. Just a moment of three slow inhales and exhales. I can promise you when you go to sit for meditation or when you go to lie down for bed, over some time, it won't feel like a 12-piece orchestra jamming inside of your mind because you'll have started to create the container of space You'll have started to give attention and awareness back to the body and the soul to strengthen your relationship with your awareness, your presence. And instead of being anchored so closely and deeply into that of the mind, that of the ego, we start to shift the tide a little bit. We recalibrate. We add a little bit of balance. You see, there's nothing to do in meditation. There's this quote by Alan Watts, and it's been my mantra before going to bed or when I find myself in moments of high pressure or stress. I say to myself, the meaning of life is just to be alive, period. The meaning of life is just to be alive. 
this is a quote that me and my partner, we say to each other all the time. The meaning of life is just to be alive. It is so plain and so obvious and so simple. And yet everybody rushes around in a great panic as if it were necessary to achieve something beyond themselves. There is no such thing as the past. There is only the now. There is no such thing as the future. There is only the now. When I'm in moments of imbalance where I just feel like my thoughts are coming in hot, dominated by the ego, I just say to myself, the meaning of life is just to be alive. And what I really mean when I say that to myself is that, girl, you are doing it. You are doing it. You are here. Be here. And then I shortly follow up with a question that we've hit on now multiple times. How can I better be? And oftentimes when I ask myself that question, how can I better be? The answer is usually, girl, breathe. Girl, breathe. Let's play with that breath. Let's learn something outside of what your thinking mind can teach you. Notice how that body is feeling. Notice how that nervous system is working. How can I better be? Well, I can tell you one thing. Breathing is only ever going to help. What would it look like to take the control out of me looking at the breath, the control out of me sensing the body? What would it look like if I just simply watched and noticed everything that floated up to the surface? This is you connecting with that sense of presence within you, that witness, that observer, the seer. This is meditation. If you've ever done a body scan, I find that to be one of the most effective ways to explore meditation. Not just if you're beginning. It's fantastic if you're a veteran in meditation. It allows you to watch, watch, watch. And you know, sometimes meditation feels easy. And the Rishis would say that the veil of the ego is thinnest right when you arise in the morning. And so likely your meditation practice will feel most easeful after you arise out of sleep. If you have yet to explore meditation or if it has never felt quite right for you, I encourage you to try it in the morning when the body is rested, when the thinking mind has been softened and the soul, the soul can be more present there. In those days where the thinking mind is so active, sometimes I like to feel, I like to envision that I'm flipping through a flip book. You know those flip books that you got when you were a kid where you would flip through it and it would show a scene really fast as you flip through the page, something would happen. So instead of flipping through each page one at a time, right, a 200 page flip book, that would take a really long time. And you're missing the pattern. You're missing what happens when you zoom out. I like to imagine all the thoughts moving through my mind as I'm looking at a flip book. And why do I do that? Well, because our thoughts need processed. And we are exposed to so much. And those thoughts, they need an opportunity to come to the mind. Because as I said before, meditation is not the stopping of the thinking mind at all. We need to process it. We need to allow it to come to the surface. We just don't want to grip with an ironclad grasp onto every single thought. Instead, we want to move through them like a flip book. And there you can notice patterns and you can start to identify the story that you tell yourself. So if I'm laying in bed at night and I'm flipping through my thoughts, I quite literally imagine it like flipping through a deck of cards or flipping through a flip book. I'll be like, oh, okay. A lot of fear feelings came up today. That's interesting. A lot of feelings about insecurity came up today. I noticed that a lot of my thoughts that were coming up were about people and not ideas. So it allows me to take a reconnaissance and look into the patterns of the thoughts as they come to the mind. Because when you do that, you can think to yourself, okay, the story that I am telling myself right now 
through communication of my thoughts is that I am letting fear run its course and I'm making decisions and I'm allowing my perspective to be rooted in the thinking mind based in a fear element. It allows you to draw and connect the dots and notice where your life is headed. This is what it means to co-create your life. If you've ever heard anybody use the word co-create, this is exactly what it is. It's the idea that you can co-create a life that you desire of anything. Maybe it's joy, peace, love. You have everything that you need to co-create a life of joy, peace, love. You might pick three different words. So right now on my bathroom for the month of March, I wrote, I have everything that I need to call in rest and ease and co-create a life of desire. I see that every morning when I wake up, I head into the bathroom and I read that. I allow myself to feel embodied within that statement. So imagine waking up, seeing an affirmation that you have created for yourself, going into a meditation practice, allowing yourself to accept the invitation that is always there, to dive in a little bit deeper to you, to strengthen the relationship that you have with you, to notice what floats to the surface during your meditation. Maybe it's a 10-minute meditation. You come out, you grab a pen, you grab a paper, and you free write for 10 more minutes, noticing all that wants to be seen, all that wants to be heard, and then entering your day from a foundation of balance, taking care of the body, taking care of the mind, taking care of the soul. It's so hard because when we wake up and we grab our phones, we're letting the world in too early. We're letting the world in too quickly. We're allowing influences of news channels, social media, good things, bad things, whatever they may be, to come into the mind, to come into the subconscious when we're most impressionable. And we're allowing that to dictate the direction in which we then step, the whole energy of our day. Imagine if we all were to connect with ourselves, to give attention and awareness to all the parts of us that need a little extra. Mm, I love talking about this so much. I could talk about meditation. I could talk about being ad nauseum. I pulled out a writing when I had finished meditating. I did a meditation on exploring my soul and offering wisdom to my ego. So my ego is the part of me that interacts with people day to day. It's the part of me that has a job, that cooks dinner, that laughs, that gets pissed. That's the ego. But the soul is the deep wisdom. The soul is that which connects you to the universe, the space. It's the part of you that has energy. It's the part of you that is timeless and boundless. I wrote to myself, as if the soul were talking to the ego. Keep me close and do not stray so far. I am here to guide you. I am your moment of grace amidst a world of fear. Stay with me long enough to feel the space and then journey back into the world. But do not forget, you are a part of the stars, a part of the deepest of networks of life. You are never alone. Little reminders from me to me. I mean, how dope is that? It feels so meaningful. The greatest act of self-love is to meditate. And so this is your call. Maybe you're feeling inspired to sit with yourself. And instead of finding a protocol or someone to tell you how to do it, maybe you just explore what works best for you. Maybe you just put on some light music on and you just sit there and you see what the fuck happens. Maybe you don't wait for someone to tell you the answers. Maybe you just sit and see what floats to the surface. Stay tuned for our next episode, and we will talk here soon. Peace, y'all.